1: A happy Tuesday to you. I don't know how happy it is for Baker Mayfield. We will get into all of that. Welcome aboard. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show. He is Aaron Torres. Find him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me, Dan Bayer, on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Today's show brought to you by Discover. Real credit card questions require real people. Someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Uh, We need some real questions for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Aaron Torres, last night, going to be the last time that we see Baker Mayfield this season. It's in a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and while it was all about Ben Roethlisberger during the game last night, it was all about Baker Mayfield after. For those that may have missed it, maybe you missed Isaac mentioning it, no Baker Mayfield in Week 18. Browns are shutting him down. Now the question is... Is this the last time that we see Baker Mayfield in a Browns uniform as his future after last night's game? I think is in serious doubt.
0: Dan, first of all, uh, thank you for having me as always, man. Uh, Pleasure to be in with you. And yes, uh, it's a tough conversation, right? And and, um, anytime you have it, we have to contextualize that, as Isaac just said, Baker's going in for surgery. He's not going to play in week 18 this coming week. But listen, man, you know, I've been a Baker defender from day one, loved him at Oklahoma, loved the flag plant, loved everything, the energy that he brought. And I thought he was the right guy for this organization when he was drafted. He had the swag, he had the karma, he had the confidence – not the karma, the, the I forget the word I'm looking for, but the swag and the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was perfect for this team at that time. The problem is the organization has evolved around him. Uh, Nick Chubb has become a star. Jarvis Landry has become in. Miles Garrett is in. And this is a team, and I know you know this, Dan. Because listen, and, and this is no criticism at all, but I know you picked them to to make a run to the Super Bowl this year, and I think a lot of us thought that that was their ceiling. And why
1: are you bringing that up? What, what's well, the deal? You know, what's the I, deal, I'm, Torres? You got beef I'm bringing with it gunk. up. <laughs> I'm bringing it up because uh, I'm bringing it up because th- this is the point: is that uh, you know I,
0: I go back to even just a few weeks ago on Christmas Day, and I'm watching that game, and they're going a to toe for toe with the Packers, and. The one difference was the Packers had an all-world quarterback and they didn't. And I bring it up because I think the Super Bowl prediction was a smart prediction by you. I think all the other pieces are there, Dan Byer, but I don't think they have a Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. And as you know, in this league, if you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. And that would concern me going forward if you're the Cleveland Browns is all the other pieces are there. But do you have the right quarterback? And I don't think they do.
1: Yeah, I, I did think that they were going to win the division. I didn't put them in the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. the My Super apologies. Bowl. But no, that's okay. I, I also said in week four when they played that magnificent game against the Chargers that the Chargers ended up winning, that you would have seen that game in the playoffs, in the divisional playoffs. So I had the Browns in the Final Four of the AFC at least uh, in, in week four or five, whenever that matchup was against the Bolts, because I did believe in them uh, that much. I. It is easy to blame Baker Mayfield in all of this. And I think that a lot of what you said you know when when the Browns drafted him they felt that he was going to be that difference maker I do think some of the some of the the blame though does go on the Cleveland Browns and I think that the what what Kevin Stefanski and his team did this season when you look at the Indianapolis Colts I'll put it this way Jonathan Taylor is in the MVP discussion right I mean he is whether he wins it or not against uh, the likes of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, the other candidates, Jonathan Taylor put himself in that conversation. And the Colts are a team that has a strong offensive line, had a questionable quarterback this entering the season, and maybe some questionable weapons on the outside. I think you could say the same exact thing about the Cleveland Browns. When you look at how they enter the year, Cleveland's got one of the best lines in in the NFL, they have a running game, but you had questions maybe about Baker Mayfield this season and you had maybe questions about some of their weapons on the outside and everything has gone wrong for Baker Mayfield this season. But I think the Browns are a bit to blame in this because to your point of how good is Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb is a beast and there are very few people who run like Nick Chubb in the NFL. Yet Nick Chubb, and I understand that he's played three less games than Jonathan Taylor has this season, but Nick Chubb has 98 fewer carries than Jonathan Taylor. At no point in this season did Nick Chubb get 25 carries a game. And last night, Aaron, it seemed to me that the Browns were bending over backwards to try to find out more about Baker Mayfield all while he was hurt And it it was almost like they were trying to prove their point that this is the reason we can't give him a contract extension. I I, I think that a divorce is inevitable between these two sides. But I think that Cleveland deserves at least some of the blame as well for how this season has been handled. Because Nick Chubb should have been your bell cow when he was healthy on the field. They've got depth at the running back position more than maybe most teams in the NFL. But yet they're putting all of this on Baker Mayfield, Fair or unfair, I think that the Cleveland Browns also deserve a share of the blame here.
0: I actually agree with you 100%, and, and it's funny, again, be, you know, having done the show on Christmas Day, I was doing my normal Saturday slot, is, again, it was what we talked about for four hours, and while you know myself, Jason Martin, the guy I host with, were very critical of Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, that was another takeaway of mine is that I do think a lot of this falls on Kevin Stefanski. Right. Because not just because of last night, but but because I really feel like, look, um, players, you know, players want to play. Right. And, and we see it all the time in baseball when a starting pitcher doesn't want to come out and the manager has to grab the ball from him and say, you know, hit the showers. You, you did the best that you could out there. Uh, it's the same in football. It's the same. It's the same everywhere across the board. And so I bring it up because that's been my argument is is it's twofold in that Baker, if you feel healthy enough to play, you are responsible for what happens on the field when you step between those white lines. But at the same time, if he is not healthy enough to play and I think there is a fair amount of evidence that maybe he wasn't, then it's on the coach to say, Baker. We appreciate the sacrifice that you're trying to make for this team, but you're doing us no favors by trying to step onto the field when you are less than 100%. I would add it's not as though the Browns don't have a capable backup in Case Keenum. It's not as though Case Keenum has not won big games in his career. It's not as though Case Keenum has not won playoff games in his career. And so that that has been kind of a takeaway of mine as well, Dan, is it's easy to pile on Baker. I think he deserves a lot of the scorn that he gets But I do put a lot of this on Kevin Stefanski as well because you have to know the pulse of your football team and you have to know that a guy is going to want to go out there if he can physically step onto that field. And sometimes it's your job as a coach to say, look, we know you're doing it for the good of the team, but for the good of the team, you actually need to hold the clipboard and stand next to me.
1: Yeah, there there were times when we thought Baker wasn't going to play and then he ended up playing and the only time i believe he set out was that thursday night game that they had against denver because of the uh the short week so uh, well, baker yeah, Mayfield's – he had uh, the covid game oh, with uh, the
0: raiders but
1: oh yeah that's right that that, that one is as well but uh the in- when it came to his injury yes, i think that was the only game that they held him out because mm-hmm. he wasn't a full go or wasn't completely healthy uh, baker mayfield after last night's game did talk about what this season was like and how he gave it his all in the 2020 2020- one campaign
0: it's not going to always be pretty or smooth but um i'm a fighter if anybody ever questions how much i want it, just turn on this tape that was pretty but i kept going kept swinging Um, that's who i am and that's what i've continued to be i've continued to lay it out on the line when i haven't been healthy tried to fight for our guys right now i'm I'm pretty damn beat up to be honest with you there's no way around it Um, i gave it everything i had tonight real quick dan can i jump in yeah go ahead You talked about um, the idea that maybe the Cleveland Browns spent part of last night kind of forcing it with Baker to prove, hey, he's not the guy. Mm -hmm. Do you not think that that, that that lead in to what he said was not Baker fighting for himself? I'm a fighter. I'll be honest, I haven't been healthy, but I've done yeah. it for the team. Because yeah, that, to me, sounds like a guy that he's either, whether he's fighting for a roster spot somewhere next year or he's fighting to keep this job with the Cleveland Browns, that, that sounded like a guy that was saying, hey, exactly what you and I just said, Dan, don't put all of this on me.
1: Yeah, and the the message as well coming out of last night, which we now know the answer to today was, Baker also said that he was going to talk it over with his with his team and with his family and, and how – you know, how they were going to move on. Last night was a game. The, the, there was a question on whether Baker Mayfield should have played last night, mm-hmm. which tells you all you need to know where the Browns were. It was it was almost as if Cleveland was trying to say, see, this is why we aren't giving him his contract extension. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I don't believe that they should have given him that contract extension. I think that they played it correctly. But there were some in NFL circles, even up to mid-season of this year, even when he had some of his ups and downs, that felt that it was going to be a done deal. It wasn't going to be a $40 million contract for Baker Mayfield, but that he would get a deal done. And I just don't think that that was the case. I think it was a big sign when they didn't get an extension done prior to this season. And I think how this has played out, him being hurt or not, uh, they really tried to prove a point to say, like, see, we are going to try to give him. I think they tried to frame it as we're going to give him every opportunity to try to prove us. But when you're so banged up, how can you prove it? And now it's gotten so bad that I just don't think I don't think that the fans believe in him. I think yep. that he would have to severely uh, outplay what he did last year when he had a pretty good season. I just I don't think that it mixes, and I think that if he's around next year, I, I just I don't see a lot of good coming from Cleveland if he is 100 percent healthy.
0: Well, and you know what else is hurting Baker Mayfield right now? Um, Odell Beckham is catching touchdown passes again in L.A. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was and, and it's funny because I think I was on with you or maybe Steve Hartman on that first Sunday uh, when Odell got traded and the Browns played Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who were all of a sudden, you know, can't do anything wrong. And Baker was the better quarterback that day. And Joe Burrow threw this big pick six and, and, and you know, Baker and the Browns rolled. And you think, wait a second now. Maybe Odell was part of the problem, and since then the Browns have gone in a complete wrong direction. Uh, post post uh, post Odell, they have not won. Very, you know the, their only wins were a sloppy win against the Lions, and then the you know the the, the win against the Ravens uh, off the bye. The Rams, of course, are surging, and I'm not saying that Odell is the main reason why or anything like that. But they're playing well. He's making touchdown grabs. I think it's all just It, it is kind of as you said. It's kind of a a almost in a weird way a perfect storm around Baker Mayfield where everyone can kind of point fingers, look at what Odell's doing, look at what the expectations were coming into the year, look at what Nick Chubb's doing, look at what the defense is doing, and Baker is the one guy that's taking a lot of arrows for a lot of different people.
1: I look at just I look at Carson Wentz's season and how it's sure. it's been pretty much a, a a rousing success with the Indianapolis Colts and what he's done and I'm not trying to excuse Baker's turnover and I'm not trying to excuse Baker maybe not being able to answer to that pressure. I had said at the start of the year that I felt he was the – the. There was if there was one player in the NFL that had the most pressure on him, it was Baker Mayfield. Sure. I thought Russell Wilson was number two because Wilson had the opportunity to uh, to pick his offensive coordinator after chirping so much last off season. but I thought number one was Baker, and I think the Browns in the end will point to and say, well, he didn't necessarily live up to it. Injury or not, this was not the season that we needed, and they are going to miss out on the playoffs after ending that drought last year. Fair yeah, or unfair? I, I mean, Yeah, fair or unfair,
0: and that's what I was going to say is exactly that, is that um, – you know, I, I still think to what we said a minute ago. Part of this is on Kevin Stefanski. Players want to play. Players want to suit up. Players want to get on the field. Uh, but this some of this could have been avoided. Um, even you know coming out of the bye, obviously you're playing. You know there there were there were chances to get this guy more rest. There were chances to just tell him point blank, you can't go out there. You're you're hurting us. Not that you're hurting us in a. I don't know how to say it in that. You're doing yourself more harm as well as the team more harm. But there were opportunities from the Browns organization as well. But I'm with you as it just feels like really since, to, in my opinion, and, and you, you might have a different perspective on this, Dan, but it really feels like since about Christmas Day, stand-alone game, we now know 30 million or so people were watching that game on Fox Uh, it just feels like the tide for Baker Mayfield even those that were defending him even those that said he's injured he's banged up give him more time it feels like the last two or three weeks since then it's
1: been all downhill for Baker yeah it really has been and yes I did pick the Browns in the AFC championship game so there was it's not your fault Blame Baker like like Stefanski is yeah yeah I believed I also believe Aaron Rodgers is going to go to Cleveland I've felt that way for a little while (laughs) I think the Alex Van Pelt Rodgers connection, team in the AFC. I think that that's going to happen as well. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup said something interesting about NFL records that are being broken in this brand new season. We'll tell you what he said next here on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug on this Tuesday. A Happy New Year. I think we're still in in the bounds to be able to uh, wish that. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Check out the latest lines for the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21. Must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Cooper Cup. Aaron has been a problem for defenses throughout the NFL season, and he is on the verge of uh, winning the NFL receiving triple crown for most receptions most yards and most touchdowns in a season leading in all those categories he is also 135 yards short of breaking calvin johnson's all-time mark for receiving yards in a season and that's where the rub comes in because it's the first year of a 17 game schedule in the nfl so cup could have that extra game to break calvin johnson's record and this is what the rams wide receiver feels about it all in all honesty
0: in my opinion what the guys did that set that those records what those guys did in 16 games you know it wouldn't seem right to i don't know for those to be broken in 17 games it just doesn't it it wouldn't hold the same weight to me as it as it does for guys that have done that in a 16 game season um and when the accomplishments those guys have the seasons those guys put together those are incredible things incredible accomplishments so you kind of have to. You kind of have to separate the two. You know, we're in a new, a new age of football here, where we're playing 17 games a year. A lot of the stuff that had happened before that, I think, those, those records hold a different weight.
1: I, yeah he's he's mm. dead on but the only problem is, is nobody's going to care nobody's nobody's cared with the rushing mark when when guys like 2000 was still that magic number that we talk about of, of can you reach 2000 and there have been a bunch more within the last you know 30 or 40 years but really OJ Simpson's mark in 1973 when he had 2003 in a 14 game season was truly the threshold even when Eric Dickerson broke it in 84 and I know we're going way back but even at that point when he's playing two more games than the 14, we're still like, man, look at Eric Dickerson. Look at what Adrian Peterson did. Look at Jamal Lewis. Cooper Cup is saying the right things, but for some reason in football, unlike baseball, we don't care, and Cooper Cup's got an opportunity to own the record. Does it make me a bad Sports Talk radio host to say
0: that I did not know that Calvin Johnson held the single? I, I thought that I knew. Like, If you had asked me, I'd be like, I think I, think I remember Calvin Johnson. Is that right, Dan? So, like, on the one hand, one, first of all, I agree. I, I think that, that that there should be a separate record book, if you will. Um, and I think part of that, Cooper Cup, you know, his dad had, being the player that he was and growing up around the game understands kind of the history better than a lot of guys in the league. Um, but at the same time, like you said, we, we don't, I guess, hold the, re- the records in the same regards. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing where there's really no hot take. Like, I kind of agree with him. That they probably should, but I also agree with you that uh, I don't think we're getting two separate record books. I don't think we're getting asterisks. I don't think anything
1: like that. It's it for some reason. Like in baseball, this is stuff that would just be. I mean, all oh. of the baseball <laughs> people would be going nuts if you know when certain home run marks are broken and and uh, there were this many games in this season. Never taking into account at bats or you know. Pl- walks and what guys are dealing with but in the nfl like just one more game like that's what that's the amazing thing when i think about oj's record and i think this is the first time in 30 years we're actually talking about oj as the football player and not something else but when his record of 2000 was broken I know I don't know what year you were born I, I you may have been born in 84 Aaron it may have been after that I, I I'm not sure but I know that you don't remember Eric Dickerson's record but I do know that in the times when people tried to reach that record it was not talked about as this is this is a phony record it was still thought of as the high point maybe maybe as, as other running backs tried to reach that mark because they were also playing in the 16 game seasons that Eric Dickerson's record uh, was the reason it was It was held in that regard because Barry Sanders would try to break it in 16 games, but he had two more games to break OJs and only you know broke it by 103 yards, so that's 50 yards a game. We don't talk about that record anymore. Everything is 16 games. I don't think they made a big deal about it when Dickerson broke OJs. Uh, With two more games, I don't think they're going to make a big deal about this. No, I don't don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. Right thing to say, though, by Cooper Cobb. He looks very, very humble, and I think he believes what he's saying, but – there are a lot of records that are going to go by the wayside because of the extra game.
0: I will say unrelated to – well, related to what you just said. I mean, uh, the O.J. Simpson, the football player, that is still one of the most incredible th- – I mean, 2,000 yards in 14 games. And I know now is a different world and we throw the ball more and we have split backfield, all that stuff. But 2,000 yards at 14 games is really kind of insane to think about.
1: By the way, I don't think that we should totally get on Baker Mayfield's case with the commercial stuff. And I know Isaac was joking, and I'm not trying to make it serious, but honestly what's is the guy supposed to you know just practice nineteen hours a day in, in the off season like you don't have you don't have some time to do some commercial shoots when a company is like we're gonna throw millions of dollars at you to promote us like do do we really? like it would be one thing if baker mayfield was was out in uh Cancun vacationing, maybe you know missing a mini camp and doing that, but doing commercials. Like, why wouldn't you? You're getting paid for it. Plus, you have no idea if you are going to get that long-term contract. Why not sign a deal with Progressive?
0: Well, two thoughts. Um, One, the Cleveland Browns do have a recent former first-round draft pick at quarterback that was in Cancun rather than actually working on the playbook for many times. His name was Johnny Manziel. And so, you know, there's that factor. But then, two, I also think it's worth noting, like, Dan, why did Baker Mayfield get all those commercials? It was because the Cleveland Browns were, what, 130-something and one in the three years before he got there. He gets inserted in week three on a Thursday night against the New York Jets, leads him to a comeback and leads him to whatever it was, four, five, six wins that first year. Like, there was a reason that he got all those those commercials, sure. and it was because he was awesome, and he was a lightning rod in a positive way, and he elevated the entire organization. And so, again, first of all, we all know Isaac's joke, and we love Isaac, so, like, it's not about that, but what it is about is when you pile on Baker Mayfield, and I do think, to what we spoke about earlier, it is justified – I also think we have to speak to what we also spoke about in segment one, which is that when he was selected, he was probably the right guy because of the, the confidence, because of the swag. By the way, I said karma. I meant to say moxie earlier in the show. Okay. I wrote that down <laughs> in my notes because of his mox. Like that was why. He was picked where he was, and he did elevate that organization. He elevated that organization to a place where they felt com- comfortable and confident in trading for Jarvis Landry, and because guys like that, and making other moves, but I just bring it up to say he elevated that organization, and now it feels as though the organization has even risen above what he can take them, and it might be on another quarterback to take them there. But it is worth noting, again, he got those commercials because of the fact that he was really awesome and he was doing things that no Cleveland Browns quarterback had done in whatever, 30, 40, 50 years.
1: The show's executive producer is Jason Stewart, who's weighing in on Baker and Adgate. My man, Ilo, I've told you, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times. <laughs> You leave the humor out of the updates. You just give us the news. Keep the sarcasm out of it. That's uh, why you don't do that, I Oh uh, no, uh, sir! You
0: once told me don't even bother uh, giving the teams. Just give the scores. Just say the scores are three to two,
1: four to six, and, <laughs> and hand it back to Buyer. Oh, that <laughs> is so inside. A little, uh, little uh, Don Martin action there. A Little spinning. The uh, not bad from Jason Stewart. By the way, the whole crew is going to be around an hour from now. Yeah, it's New Year's resolutions time. But in this new year, that's that that's in 60 minutes or so. In this new year, Aaron, the transfer portal is has heated up in college football like no other and yesterday Caleb Williams threw a can of gasoline on it by announcing that he was entering the transfer portal soon after. Dylan Gabriel announced he'd be transferring to Oklahoma from UCF. So yesterday was maybe the high point in transfer portalness, but Caleb Williams, the one that really set things off yesterday.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people thought was going to happen probably a month or five weeks ago when Lincoln Riley left and so um, this is the world that we live in now and and listen I know Doug's been very outspoken about all this stuff over the last few weeks but this is the world that we live in and kids have this opportunity now where for any reason but especially when a coach leaves um, when a coach you know when, when we can sit here and say that a player of Caleb Williams' caliber. Oh, he chose Oklahoma because of Oklahoma. No, he chose Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley. And so I know we're going to get into some of the other nuance of it. And I don't know where you stand, so I don't want to speak for both of us. But I think when you choose a school, clearly because their coach has put together, you know, has put out multiple Heisman Trophy winners, including Baker Mayfield, who we were just talking about, um, and that coach leaves, I have no problem with a kid kind of sitting back and saying, you know what, this is my career. I only get one shot at this. I have to look at all of my options that are on the table, uh, whether it is staying at this school or considering going somewhere else.
1: I I think that when you break it down, every every time you see a guy entering the transfer portal, you can actually understand why he did it. If you are the backup quarterback and let's say you lose a starting job, let's just take Joe Burrow, for example, and he ends up transferring to LSU. It's because, hey, I want to try to make it to the NFL. I want to go and play somewhere else instead of being behind Dwayne Haskins. I need an opportunity to do that. And there are a lot of quarterbacks that have done that. This one, when you look at it and you say, wow, Caleb Williams goes to Oklahoma and uh, has a great freshman season under Lincoln Riley, and now Lincoln Riley is gone, and you're saying to yourself, man, how does, how does Caleb Williams fit in all of this, and where does he want to go? Whether he would have followed Lincoln Riley to USC or not, I still think that it's a legitimate reason and a reason why Caleb Williams should be allowed to transfer. The issue that I see is actually more of the Dylan Gabriel sort of aspect, Aaron, where I just think that the, I think the rich keep getting richer. And maybe I was naive when transfer portal and name, image, and likeness came in. I thought it would help maybe some of the middle programs, even some things out, allow them to have some of their players make money. But that has not been the case. And what I worry about are, let's say, Group of Five has a great year. You go eleven and one. You're in the rankings. You know you have an opportunity to play in the New Year's Six Bowl. And now your head coach gets one of those power jobs that open because the head coach left for the uh, for the NFL. What happens? That coach moves on. Now that whole entire program that had that one good year is entirely stripped, and the rich get richer because not only do you get a head coach, you get a quarterback that follows him. That's the stuff that I find dangerous. So when the Caleb Williams came, thing came down, I really didn't have a problem with any of it. I really do not have a problem with most of players wanting to transfer. I just think it's really going to hurt the group of fives and makes make the haves so much more than right now the have-nots.
0: Well, there's no doubt, and I, I don't even think you have to use an example like that. I mean, there there were plenty of teams that had good seasons, that their coach stayed, and that players either opted to leave or opted to at least enter the transfer. I mean, we saw this a little bit in college basketball last year, Dan. I know on a national scale, college basketball is much uh, smaller covered in, in interest. But, I mean, we literally had players entering the portal just to kind of see what their options were. And and again, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. But, you know, when a coach recruits you, and, and and when I say their options, I mean the coach didn't leave. There was no big shakeup. They didn't recruit over you. They didn't give your scholarship to somebody else. They didn't sign a five-star that plays the same position. But there were players that were just like, Yeah, I just kind of want to see what else is out there. But then you look at the the transfer portal from the perspective that you're talking about where you know, it's been an issue in college basketball for several years now is how do you build a team? How do you build a program? Or are you just building on a year-to-year basis where, um, you know, it's going to be hard for those smaller schools. It's going to be hard for those smaller schools to keep guys because um, – whether it is in Alabama at the highest level or even just, say, a middle-tier SEC team. I mean, listen, everybody wants to play in the SEC, so you come out of the spring, you have an injury, you sit there and say, hmm, I wonder what is available, what is out there. All of a sudden, there's a player at a smaller school that kind of fits your position. Mm-hmm. And, and you know something that gets talked about a lot, and it's true, is whether people want to admit it or not, there's tampering, there's ways to connect with players to let them know that, hey, if you happen to hit the portal... We would happen to have a spot for you. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's a new world of college sports. And I think this is a lot of what Doug talks about. And I've heard him, you know, on multiple platforms, not just this show, but filling in for Dan Patrick and stuff like that is the idea of a team, the idea of a program. I know it sounds cliche, but the idea of dealing with adversity like those are things that are going to be tough to kind of monitor and, and just track and build and whatever over the next couple years.
1: I think in college basketball it's interesting because, you know, we take like a school like Oral Roberts last year that made that run in in the NCAA tournament and they have sure. two star players and one stays and one there goes. you go, you know. So like you, so you like, you can't say that this is how it is always going to happen. There are two different ways that that you can look at things. I just find it so difficult to criticize to criticize any kid that's going to try to better his situation and. And in the NFL, there, you know, it may not seem like there are a lot of jobs, but maybe there are a lot of jobs. Maybe, maybe if you're playing basketball, I, I don't know if it makes a difference. You would know more than I would, Aaron. But even playing overseas, you know, to, you know, would it behoove you to maybe play at a bigger program or a a, a larger program than a smaller program if you just wanted to play professionally? Maybe that all takes care of itself. But it's just hard for me to criticize guys that want to move on to try to maybe make money at the next level because there's only so many years that you can make money playing sports. And it may not be for everyone. I don't know know if we're going to see transfers from from guys who are ready to go into the business sector once they graduate. I I don't know. I could be completely wrong with that. But I just know a a long time ago, and I was kind of joking on how there was – remember there was the Arena Football League, but there there was also like Arena Football League 2. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I was kind yeah, of, I, I, was, I was, I was, I was kind of mocking it to a to a guy that played college football, and he goes, he goes, hey, any any opportunity that you can make money while you are still an athlete or in that shape. Is, is worthwhile, and 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 that stuck with me. So for these guys, even if you have to go, you know, overseas and play in Russia, just like Doug did, or or you know, play in a different country, if that's going to help you do that, it's just tough for me to blame anyone. Tough for me to blame Caleb Williams in this situation either for for trying to uh, further his career, which is likely headed to the NFL.
0: Well, and I I also think there was an interesting element that we kind of talked about, but we kind of brushed over in that. You know, we talk about this idea, this world where we give all these players all these rights, and and I again, I have no fundamental issue with it, um, but I think the schools are getting a little bit smarter too now. Oklahoma, the, the kid Dylan Gabriel that they brought in, and for people who don't know, the the new offensive coordinator at Oklahoma that they brought in, thinking that it would keep Caleb Williams in town. He coached Dylan Gabriel as a freshman. Dylan Gabriel was supposed to enroll at UCLA this week. And right before Dylan Gabriel is about to enroll, they call him and say, hey, we don't know if we have a quarterback. Now Dylan Gabriel commits. And it probably realistically makes it that much more unlikely that Caleb Williams returns. And so this is also, by the way, Dan, um, you know, part of uh, of the, the the two sides to You know, giving play, having more players empowered. And this is something I know Doug could talk about, but I've heard all sorts of stories in college basketball specifically where a player enters the transfer portal to see what his options are. Well, the coach has to move on and the coach gives away his scholarship. And then all of a sudden that kid doesn't have a place to come back to Mm. if he really wants to come back or if he maybe his options aren't quite as good uh, as he as he thought they would be. And so that was kind of the other interesting element of it from the Oklahoma perspective, which is they basically said, you know, we respect your decision to to do what you think is best but we got to do what's best for Oklahoma football. There's a really good quarterback, and, and Dylan Gabriel was really good at Central Florida that we know wants to come here, and we can't sit around and wait a week or wait 10 days or wait two weeks or wait a month for you to figure out what your decision is. So I, I do think it's interesting that, one, um, I don't know if, if it's the schools are getting smarter, if the schools are getting more cutthroat, or if it's just as we give these players more power, you know, what's the old saying? With great power comes great expectation or great responsibility or something yes. like that. And you bring it up because Caleb Williams, you know, Caleb Williams probably isn't the best example of this because Caleb Williams is going to find a very nice landing spot and there's going to be a lot of schools. Basically, probably every single school in America would take Caleb Williams if he wanted to go there. But there's going to be other kids that they say, you know, I kind of want to see what my – and then all of a sudden you want to come back your scholarship's not there that is the reality of where we are on the other side of this aspect as well.
1: I think people will feel bad for UCF they don't feel bad for UCLA. You, you know, like so. when, when you look at the Dylan Gabriel, and Dylan Gabriel, you know the, the the him shunning UCLA people won't feel bad about because they're. Power 5, and UCF will be uh, soon enough, but right now they're not. I think they'll be viewed at uh, a little differently. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines of the world of sports at Bet BetRivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be president in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. College Hoops fans are going to want to stick around. Yes, we rank stuff. Don't worry, it's not going to be power rankings. That's next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Darn right it is. No Doug today. You got me, Dan Byard, and you got Aaron Torres hanging out on a Tuesday. We can't do it ourselves, though. Jason Stewart, the executive producer, John Ramos, our technical producer, and we'll get to Isaac at the news desk in a sec. But first, check out the latest lives for the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21, must be president in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Speaking of playing, time to play a game. Game time. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. This is my second favorite game that we play uh, on, the, on the show, Aaron, is we okay. bring in Isaac Lorenpron. Isaac, do you know what number one is, what my favorite one is? Steve DeSager. Oh, <laughs> 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 I, I meant just the game, not the I anchors. Know, but, I know, I uh, know. I love I Feel a Draft. That's, that's usually on Thursdays. <laughs> Uh, Today, it's a different game. It's my second favorite. What do we got? Uh,
0: It's easy as one, two, three. Rank them. Let's start with a relatively easy one. Relatively. Rank the top three teams in the NFL right
1: now. Mm. All right. I'll quick take a stab at this. I think the Packers, number one. I don't think there's any debate. I think that Green Bay is number one. I still would put the Chiefs at number two despite the loss in Cincinnati. And at number three, Aaron, I'm going to put the Los Angeles Rams. Ooh. I have questions Ooh. about Tampa. I really do. Real quick. This Be- is like last year.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would say what's the biggest question. They they probably should have lost the Jets the other day. Um, I'll go in reverse order, and I will very unconfidently say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number three um, because I have a lot of the same questions you do, but I don't totally buy the Chiefs, even though I know the offense has been much better the last few weeks. Number two, I will say the Los Angeles Rams. I know that they could have lost the other day. Uh, sloppy game, but it was their third game in 12 days, second on the road, and I like where they're trending. And then number one, again, they, they're not playing perfect football right now, but I would have the Green Bay Packers there as well. All right. Well, i got the consensus there. Next, rank the top three conferences in
1: college basketball. Torres, this all right. is all you. You can take this one.
0: All right, number three, um, I will say the Big 12. Big 12 has the number one team in the country. Baylor, they have, I hate to say it, my preseason national championship pick, the Kansas Jayhawks. Really good uh, conference. The only thing with them is that they're a little bottom heavy in terms of some of the teams at the bottom are pretty bad. Number two, it just means more, baby, the SEC. The SEC, Auburn is in the top 10, LSU-Kentucky playing the top 15 matchup tonight, uh, Alabama's going to be good, Tennessee's going to be good, and then finally what I would say, number one, top to bottom, best team in the league, best team in the country, uh, Fox's own, the Big East, Providence is good, Seton Hall's good, UConn's on COVID pause, but they're good, Villanova picked up a big
1: win this weekend, very good conference. Yeah, if of, if Purdue ahead. doesn't lose to Wisconsin last night, is the Big Ten in any of this conversation, Aaron? Aaron? uh,
0: or The uh, Big Ten's been a little bit disappointing. Michigan's down. um, I would probably put uh, Big Ten at number four, and I think you could make the case for number three, but I would still put the Big 12 ahead of them because of the top two teams, Baylor and Kansas. And finally, rank your top three go-to TV channels. A caveat, buyer, you can't name the golf channel for all three. Just one.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, number three right now, Game Show Network. I'm not a huge Family Feud guy. They have a huge block, but... Who doesn't love America Says right now? I mean, that is the hottest show. DIY, which has like a day left because they're going to change it over to Magnolia Network tomorrow. Um, uh, On the DirecTV, it's Channel 230. And number one, uh, Food Network.
0: I will be a nice company, man. I'll say number three, FS2. Number two, FS1.
1: Number one is Fox, baby. (laughs) That's game, huh? Game this is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I just probably named three straight competitors to us. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Bayer. Coming up next, we tell you what we thought about Big Ben's farewell last night. That next year on Fox.